So we are uh, continuing our uh, series here on Rome, Romans, and uh, this, is, this is an outstanding book. It's just filled with so much. If you want to know how to present the gospel, to give the gospel, read Romans because it will teach you, it will give you the tools, it will give you how, it will give you the how to do. I always tell people, I say, you know, you know, when you witness to someone in Christ, it's always good to know your scriptures. And, you know, and there are a few in Romans that you can memorize, you know, that are, that are just great scriptures when you are um, introducing Christ to other people. Romans 3.23, Romans 5.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 6.20. I know I said them real fast, but, you know, it's in Romans. And it's great when you're introducing folks to Christ. It shows us how we come to Christ, how we are saved. So this is an excellent book that we are, are studying here uh, for, the, for the next, ooh, 20-something weeks, I guess. So put your seatbelts on because this is going to be a great ride on this road in Romans. So Paul's purpose um, in writing the book of Romans was he's writing this to proclaim the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's writing for doctrine to edify and to encourage uh, the believers there, both Gentile and Jewish believers. It wasn't just one church that Paul was writing to. It was a several of gatherings of believers that were gathering in Rome, and Paul was writing to those believers, those gatherings, to encourage them and to um, edify them and to build them up. And so he writes this um, letter knowing, um, knowing that the, the persecution and discouragement that believers face, he knew that he could offer something that would offer them some strength and some encouragement as they walk their journey of faith. And so this letter in Romans is, is, is very important to us because if we didn't have the book of Romans, like I said just previously, we wouldn't have an airtight, clear-cut way of introducing folks to Christ. And Paul points that out. He teaches that. He writes that out in the book of Romans. And so because we have Romans, we have the tools to witness and to minister to other people and introduce them to Jesus Christ and to pray with them that they become a follower of Christ. So we thank God for the book of Romans, right? It's a good book. It's a great book. So we're going to be coming... Still in the first chapter, but we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 17. So if you can go ahead and, and grab your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, or your eyeglasses. <laughs> grab them so you can read. All right. So. Romans is all about good news, good news for all. So I titled this message today, More Good News. So I got more good news. Who in here likes to hear good news? Raise your hand. All right, everybody in here. Who in here likes to hear bad news? Nobody. No one likes to hear bad news. So don't, you know, Romans, you know, Paul, don't bring us no bad news, you know. I, you know, there's this, um, this show that's called The Wiz, and it's sort of the black version of The Wizard of Oz, and um, it's with Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Nipsey Russell, all of them. You know, it's a real good musical. And a certain character on their name, Evil Lean, played by Mabel King, um, she sings this song, my favorite song of the whole show. She sings this song. It's called, she used a lot of double negatives, Don't Nobody Bring Me No Bad News. So she was an evil witch, 
and she had sent the flying monkeys and she had sent the, the dancing girls and all those to capture Dorothy and to bring her those slippers that her sister had on. Bring me those slippers. So they all kept coming back with bad news because they could not catch Dorothy and her three friends. And so she sung this song and said, don't nobody bring me bad news. She says, you know, when I wake up in the afternoon, which pleases me to do, don't nobody bring me no bad news. Because I already work, wake up negative and I'm firing up my fuse. So don't nobody bring me no bad news. If you brought her bad news, you were punished for it. All right? So we don't want the bad news. We want good news, right? And Paul's letter to Romans delivers good news. Because Paul received good news, not bad news, from Rome. He received the good news from Rome. And he starts it off with verse 8. He goes and he says here, first... I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith, this is the good news that Paul is hearing, is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the good news or the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you. He's my witness that I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. So Paul's response to hearing about Rome's good news, that they are now believers and followers of the faith, he is responding by writing to them, rejoicing with them. He says, I am thankful to God. I rejoice. I am I am rejoicing with you that you have found the faith. And he says, and I want you to know this. I know you're going to go through some struggles and I know you're going to be tested and tried, but I want you to know that I am constantly praying for you. God is my witness. I am constantly praying for you. I remember you always in my prayers. And he said, and better yet, I desire to come to you. I'm waiting for God to open up the way where I will be able to come to you in person. And you wouldn't just have to have my letter, but I would be there in person to encourage you and to love you and to just edify you. He said, but just has not been open to me yet. But if God's will, it will be open to me. Paul understood that as we must understand that there are things we want in life and there are things that God wants for us in life. And they don't always line up, do they? God's timing is perfect. God never makes a mistake. Whatever God does, he does it right on time. He does it right on time. Now, we, me, let me speak for me. Uh, I'm the kind of person I like to hurry God along. Or I like to say, Lord, can you hurry up a little bit? Uh, you see me just holy, um, um, barely hanging on. Can you just move a little faster, God? And, and, the, and the good thing, wonderful thing about God is that he's not controlled by time like we are. We got calendars, we schedule appointments, and we, we give 30 minutes to somebody and say, okay, I got to move to that. We are controlled by time, but time is controlled by God. So God is not in a hurry. He has a perfect timing, and when God moves, when God opens the door for Paul to get to Rome, even though it doesn't happen in the way that Paul wished or thought it would happen, but it still happened. So Paul says, I am waiting for God to open up a way for me to come to you. Okay, but in the meantime, here's a letter. In the meantime, I want to encourage you. I want you to know that you're on the map. I know what you're doing. It's, it's, it's being talked about all over the world about your faith. Rome, 
faith in Rome, Rome and faith. And uh, that just it didn't seem them to mix. But there were Gentiles and, and Jewish people there who found Christ. And, and they found them because of, of the, uh, the day of Pentecost. You go back to Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, uh, when, when they had scattered and they took the word all, the, all over the world. You know, Jesus told the disciples, he said, you'll be witnesses of me. Right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the earth. Rome was one of those uttermost parts of, of the earth. And so the gospel, the good news, got there. It traveled. Sometimes good news doesn't travel as fast as bad news because people love to talk about the bad stuff. They like to talk about the gossip instead of the gospel. All right? But here, that good news got all over, and Paul got it, and he got a hold of it, and he was excited for them. All right? So... In, in the word, in the New Testament, we hear about um, the four books of the Bible. What are they, what are they called? What do we call them? The Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? These are the, the books of the Gospel, the four Gospels. Gospel means good news, right? So we talk about, and it's interesting because each of the writers of the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, each have a, 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 a different depiction of Jesus, all right? But it's a great depiction but they each have a different angle. Matthew gives us the depiction of Jesus as the promised Savior, the King. Mark gives us as Jesus as the powerful Savior or the servant. Luke, the perfect Savior, son of man, Dr. Luke. And then John, he comes as the personal Savior or the Son of God. So they all have good news, but it's depicted in their eyes of how they received it and how they communicate it. All right, but it is what it is is that it depicts that we have a savior, and he's either promised, perfect, powerful, personal, but we have a savior, and that is good news because a savior comes to deliver you from a bad situation. A savior comes to bring you salvation, a savior comes to rescue you from eternal damnation and hell. He died for the world, right? He's a savior because he died for the world, but he's only Lord to those who believe and trust in him. Paul goes on with the good news, waiting for God's will to open up the way. And God's will is a, um, I heard a preacher say that God's will is a game plan, not a blueprint. Okay? And I said, mm, that's, that's good. I like that. I'm going to use that in my sermon. But I also think God's plan is a blueprint too. So I say it's both. It's a blueprint and a game plan because a blueprint, that's what you start off with, right? You start out with the blueprint. The blueprint has everything that you need to find. You need to know where the, the air ducts are. You need to know where the wiring, you know, all of that. That's the word of God. That's God's will, God's plan. It starts with the blueprint, and then he shows us how to live within that blueprint. That's the game plan, all right? So God's will, again, is perfect, but it's in his timing. Paul goes on, he says, I long to see you, verse 11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Look what he's saying there. I long to see you. I'm right. He's writing this letter saying, my desire is to see you so that I can impart means I can deliver to you or communicate or make known to you some spiritual gift. 
And I was looking at it and I said, okay, what is Paul talking about? Spiritual gift. Is, is he talking about the same gifts in Ephesians? Is he talking about the gifts uh, uh, of the spirit, you know, faith, miracles, uh, um, tongues, and all of these things? No, he's speaking of the word of God, the good news. He wants to impart unto them the good news of Christ. Even though they were already believers, all right? So let's, let's not misunderstand the gospel and say, well, it's only for the believers. No, good news is for everybody at any point in your life. Whether you've been believing for one year or you've been believing for 25 years, the good news is always good. Who wants good news only once? I'm like, bring it on. Bring me some more. Bring me some more good news. So the good news that we have in Jesus is not just Jesus died. I mean, that's good news, right? And even better news is that he rose, and the greatest news is that he still lives. But we like to hear more good news, meaning not only am I saved, but I have power in his name. Not only do I not get to go to hell, but I get to live with Jesus forever. Not only am I saved, but I am more than a conqueror. Not only am I a believer, but I'm an overcomer. That's good news, that the Lord will never leave me nor forsake me. He's with me always. That's good news. You know, there were believers already. They, they already got eternal life. We get eternal life, but give me some more. The prayers of the righteous avail much. Mm, hallelujah. Yes, that's good news. That's good news. And Paul, you know, responsible for all those great messages. Jesus, our Savior, our King, our Lord, Son of God, King of Kings, brings us good news, and it's always good news with Jesus. Even though it might not look good, you got to trust him totally that it is good. All things work together for the good, for the good of them that are in Christ Jesus. All things work together. They may not all be good, but they work for the good. All right, so Paul's going to impart into some, some spiritual gift to make them strong and that they may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul knew that it just, just wasn't about him. It was about them. It wasn't just about them. It was about him. So we're going to mutually encourage each other. He said, I'm going to re some, receive something and you're going to receive something because we're rejoicing with each other. You have found the faith and I'm rejoicing with you because you have found the faith. He calls them brothers and sisters. He said, I, want you, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. I plan many times to come to you. How many of us know our plans ain't always God's plans? What is the, what is the saying? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> You'll have a big belly laugh with that. Tell God what you want to do. He says, I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. In order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have among the other Gentiles. So Paul says that I may have a harvest. He said, God is allowing that way, that door be open for me to come. Even though I'm coming to you in a letter, coming to your letter, but I'm encouraging you because I'm rejoicing with you. And I want to have a great harvest. I want to see what God is doing with my eyes. I want to experience it myself, what God is doing to the believers in Rome. I want to see the harvest, just as I had with the other Gentiles. And we learn later in Ephesus and, and Corinth and all of these where, where God was, was um, 
establishing and encouraging and building up and bringing in a harvest. So Paul wanted to see it in Rome also. Paul goes on, he says in, in verse 14, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. Doesn't matter who you are, Greek or no Greek, wise or foolish, meaning educated or uneducated, rich or poor, doesn't matter, black, white, doesn't matter. He says, I'm obligated. That is why I am so eager. That word eager. Eager. That's why I am so eager to preach the good news or the gospel also to you who are in Rome. He says, I am obligated. It is my duty. It is my call. It is my passion. It is my desire. It is my longing to preach to you at Rome. He says, why is Paul so eager here? Why is Paul so passionate about preaching this gospel? This gospel that when he was saw that he put many in jail and in prison, dragged them out, had them dragged out of his houses, that many he sat, stood there when Stephen was stoned. Why is Paul so passionate about this gospel now? Because Paul is a witness of this gospel. When Paul was on his way to uh, persecute believers to drag them out men and women and children and have them put in prison even some to death he was stopped on the road the road to Damascus by Jesus Christ and he says why are you persecuting me Saul Saul said well who are you Lord he says I am Christ you know you are it's hard for you to kick against the prick it's hard for you to go against listen to go against the grain stop fighting God and just surrender stop kicking against the will of God and just surrender Paul he said Saul what are you doing and he blinded him, transformed his life. Saul then became Paul, one of the greatest preachers we read about. He became Paul and he became, he became passionate Paul. And he wanted to preach this gospel because he was a witness of what this good news can do for one's life. Paul was a brilliant man. He was an educated man. He spoke many languages. He was on his way to the top as a Pharisee. He was on his way in Judaism. He was the man. Had great tutors and teachers. But the good news of Jesus Christ changed his life. The good news of Jesus Christ changed his plans. The good news of Jesus Christ put him on another road humbled him, transformed his life, changed him, gave him a new hope, gave him a new walk, gave him a new peace, gave him a new joy, gave him a new vision, gave him a new reason to get up every day. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, Paul said, I am eager I am excited. I want to preach this gospel everywhere I go. I want people to know all over the world that Jesus is the Savior, that there is only one way. There is no other way than Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only by the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's only by the name of Jesus. I want folks to know about this great name, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I want people to know about this great name. Because that scripture is attributed to John, but it's the word. It's the good news. It's that we have a hope in Christ. And Paul wanted Rome to know all about it. He didn't want them to come short of any of it. I want you to know all about it. I want you to know the full 
gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm obligated. This is my life passion. Maybe you have a life passion. Maybe there's something in you where you've experienced God and now God has put a passion in you. Maybe it's being an all-star. I don't know. Maybe it's working with children. I don't know what it might be. Whatever it might be. And you have a passion because of what God has done in your life. Don't let anything stop it. Because God, if God begins it in you, he's faithful, isn't he, to do it. He's faithful until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. If he starts it, God, I love God because when he starts something, he finishes it. Doesn't he? Amen. And he's not man that he should lie. If God said it, he's going to do it. <laughs> you might not be a part of it, <laughs> but he's going to do it. All right? But if we say yes to him and allow the true, full transformation to happen in our lives, then we can enjoy the fruit of it. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Then he goes on, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I am not ashamed. Paul said, I know what I used to be. It's no secret. Many of you were afraid of me. Many of you didn't trust that I had this change, this transformation in my life. Many of you thought I was just impersonating or disguising myself so I could trap you. Some of you didn't believe. said, oh, no, even, you know, even many of the apostles, they didn't believe. Didn't believe. Ananias, go and, and pray over this man. No, no, I heard about him. Mm -mm. Not, not Saul. Well, he'll have, me, he'll have me arrested. But God had a plan. God had a purpose. So Paul wasn't ashamed of his past. Because it was his past that helped him appreciate where he was now. I'm not ashamed of the good news because it is the power. So what is the power of God? The power of God is the gospel. It's the good news. The good news is God's power because it saves, because it delivers, because it heals, because it encourages, because it edifies, because it, it exhorts, because it lifts you up, because it gives you victory, because it gives you life abundantly. The good news of, of the gospel is the power of God. So if you want to experience God's power, you got to get the gospel in you. You can't baby step around this gospel. You can't just eat the corners or the sides of it. You got to eat the whole roll. You got to get the gospel down in your heart, not just in your head, not just memorizing scriptures. Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, I know that scripture. But do you live it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be, you know. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. But is he really? Do you live like he's your shepherd? Let's not come to church and just get head knowledge. Let's get heart knowledge. Let's get wisdom. Let's get some courage to live it out, not being ashamed of it. If Jesus saved you and only you know where God brought you from, some of us were in the gutter. Some of us was on our way out of here. Some of us were just messed up from the floor up. 
just crazy, just didn't know where you were going, where you were coming from, in bad relationships, in a bad career, in a bad home, in a bad school system, whatever it might be, bankrupt, broke. But Jesus didn't forget about you. He saw you. You tucked yourself away in a corner because you thought nobody loved you. And the gospel found you in the fetus position just and the gospel found you because when the light which the gospel is light right when the light comes into darkness guess what happens to darkness it flees darkness cannot dwell where light is so when Jesus found and the good news lit up your life darkness had to go Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this because he, he brought me from a mighty long way. He saved me. He didn't give up on me. He knew that as hard as I worked for the devil, God knew I'd work harder for him. Huh? Yeah. If I ran my mouth for the devil, don't shut up now because you serve God. Run your mouth for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. If you were a gossiper in your old life, don't start keeping secrets now that Jesus has given you new life and new hope. Start telling someone about it. Well, I'm whispering in someone's ear. Guess what? Jesus is real. <laughs> hmm? Pick up the phone, call somebody. Say, guess what I found out today? I found out that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Isn't that good news? Instead of calling Girl, guess what I heard? Man, guess what I heard? So-and-so was having all kinds of troubles, financial troubles. Ain't that something? Ain't that No. Now that you have been transformed, God has put a new testimony, a new word in you, good news. Now, get on your phone now and tell somebody about it if you're not ashamed. Now, all of a sudden, you don't remember their number. I'm not ashamed because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Again, he qualifies it to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Righteousness of God. Remember, righteousness is right standing with God, right? We have right standing with God, and we only get right standing in God by our faith in God. We don't get it by our own works. We don't get it by our own goodness. We, it only comes through faith. And faith means total trust and commitment and confidence in God. It's absolute trust and total confidence in God. That's what our faith is, okay? Our faith brings us to the realization that God is great and he's good. The righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel and is revealed through forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, joy. We could go on. Second chances. A never give up God. A never turn his back on me, God. The righteousness of God is revealed 
That means it is shown to us. It's given to us. Righteousness will live by faith. We know that faith is, is our substance, things hoped for, and our evidence of things not seen. We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? We hear God's word. We have faith because we hear God's word, right? You got to hear something in order to put faith in it. You got to have something in order to put faith in it. So we have faith in God. Faith is good news that Paul received, that he heard all over the world, that was heard all over the world. Faith is the good news in the good news that gives us strength and encouragement. Faith in the good news that brings us salvation. It's absolute trust and confident hope in Christ. Paul and his journey, while he was so, why he was so excited about living for Christ, we see here in the scripture that Paul knew God's plan was for him to get to Rome as I close this out here. Paul had a journey <laughs> that we probably would never want to experience, but he knew what God had promised. If you go to Acts 28, 23, and Paul talks about, it, it talk, the word talks about, Luke writes, the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so must you also testify in Rome. It was reiterated that Paul would get to Rome, Okay. He said, just as you have testified me here in Jerusalem where he was arrested, he said, you must also testify about me in Rome. Now, how would Paul get to Rome? Would Paul go to Rome on his, free, on his own free will as a free man on the ship in charge of everything? No, he would not. Paul went to Rome. God opened the door, <laughs> right? And Paul went to Rome. Well, Paul was arrested. He was on trial before Agrippa. They ran into a storm, right? Ran into a storm, and they became shipwrecked. When the boat, when the ship went aground, all the guards were going to kill everyone on there, but God had his eyes on Paul. Paul had favor. Even as a prisoner, he had favor in God. Nothing can stop the plan of God. When God is in it, he's going to win it. Okay, when God is up to something, he's going to complete that something. Paul, now the, soul, the, the prisoners were all scrambled in. The, the, the guards wanted to kill him, and they said, no, nope, don't kill him. They said the, the ship broke apart. They said everyone who knows how to swim, jump in and swim to shore. And everyone else, I would have been one of the other ones that don't know how to swim, grab a hold of a piece of the ship. Now, had not the ship broken, we would have been lost. Hmm? Come on with me now. If the ship was still in one piece but could not sail, 
we would have been stranded. But the ship was broken apart, therefore gave them an opportunity to grab hold to a piece of the ship so that they could come to land because they could not swim. And what happens when in life when we are drowning and we can't swim? God sends a rescue. Hallelujah. God sends a piece of something to help you make it to safety. Maybe your life was like this ship. It was broken apart. It was scattered abroad. Listen, don't worry about that. Grab a piece of whatever you can grab and let God bring you in. Stop crying about it, complaining about it. Just say, you know what? I'm broken. Let me grab a piece of this and God do what you want to do. If it wasn't for the shipwreck, they would not have made it. And it didn't stop there. (laughs) Now, now, they arrive on this island, Melita. After all they went through, they didn't eat for a long time. They were fasting. Paul said, listen, eat because you're going to need your strength because they knew they're going to have to swim or grab onto a piece of ship. So they needed their strength. So now they get to Melita. Now, remember, this is Paul's journey to get to Rome. They, got, they went to Melita, and Paul went to warm himself by the fire. And it says, out of the fire, a, a viper, a snake, a venomous snake, grabbed hold of Paul's hand, and Paul shook it off. Now, when the snake grabbed him, all the, the natives looked at him and said, this man must be a murderer. He escaped the storm. He escaped the shipwreck. But certainly, he won't escape this. How many times have people told you in your life, you might have gotten through this. You might have gotten through that. But you're not going to get through this. If God's hand is on you, you will make it through whatever comes your way. The snake grabbed hold of Paul, and Paul shook it off. We got to have some of that shake it off attitude. Stop letting things grip you and hold your life back. You got to shake it off. The natives looked at Paul and said, certainly he's a murderer. Uh, Because we're waiting. They sat back waiting for Paul to swell up and fall over dead. Paul never did. He shook it off. And then they said, he's not a murderer. He must be a god. Because he survived the bite of a a venomous viper. Listen, we all have vipers in our lives, don't we? Yeah. Be careful how close you get to the fire. Because something might just jump out at you. But if you're in God's will, you're a believer and you're following Jesus and, and he is directing your life. Not you directing your life, but he is the conductor. He is the captain. You will make it. You will be victorious. Shook it off, and he arrived in Rome as a prisoner. Now, if I was Paul, I probably would have said, God, this is not really the way I thought I would get here. (laughs) But you're there. Don't worry about the process. Just worry about the promise. Paul went through a journey. But this is what Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. He said, I want you to be discouraged about your life. He said, because we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. (laughs) We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. They weren't abandoned on the ship. God provided a way. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. He says, trouble comes on every hand. It comes every way, but God is with us. God won't leave us. He won't abandon us. He won't desert us. He won't forsake us. 
He will be with us through the thick and through the thin. Hallelujah. That's good news to me, folks, that I can be pressed down. I can be perplexed. I can be struck down. But at the end, I'm still here. Thank God for the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lives forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And finally, Paul's in Rome in his own rented house. God setting him up. Look at that. Say, Paul, you might be a prisoner, but I'm going to put you in your own rented house with your own guards. A prisoner. Acts 28. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. He kept the good news coming with all boldness and without hindrance. Look at God. Look at Jesus. That's the kind of good news I want. That's the kind of good news I'm going to hold on to. I hope, you, I hope you're encouraged to hold on to this good news and to spread it. Spread it like it's peanut butter and butter. Just spread it. Just tell everybody, just, just look, at them, look at them as a slice of bread and just spread it. <laughs> Come here. Jesus lives. But don't cut the sandwich. <laughs> spread it. It's good news. It's good news. So let's submit to God. Let's submit to his will. God's plans are better than our plans. His plans are foolproof. And as my wise wife once said, she said, get over yourself and get under God. Think about that. Get over yourself. Get under God. Put down your agenda and take up your cross. Always know. I'm a good one at this. I have a lot of good ideas, but they're not always God ideas. Follow the God ideas because God ideas are always good ideas, but your good ideas are not always God ideas. So follow God, his blueprint, his game plan. Amen. I'm sweating. (laughs) And today, I offer Christ the good news to you today who haven't believed, haven't been a follower of Jesus Christ. I offer Christ to you. Rome, Romans talks about if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's Romans chapter 10, I believe it is. For we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. So today, if you will pray, you can pray silently to yourself. If there's anyone here you want to receive Christ, Just repeat these words after me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, I am saved. And I trust in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.